Good evening, everybody, and welcome to High Spirits. I'm Jay Stegman, and with me, as always, is my pal, Noelle Schmidt. That's right. Hey, Noelle. Hi. How are you? Great. Happy New Year. Same to you. Merry Christmas. All And the happy holidays. The happy holidays. Yes. All of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been off for a while. Yeah, we took a little holiday break. We did. Winter and break. We are back and ghostlier than ever. Mm-hmm. If you're new to High Spirits, here's what we do. Uh, we talk about paranormal things, and we drink alcohol. Correct. Yeah, just two gal pals chatting about ghosts. Drinking some booze. That's right. Um, do you have any business to take care of? Uh, no. Um, Uh-oh. That, <laughs> that had a hint of business. No, I, it does, I'm trying to think. It's been so long. It really has been a long time. Um, but I'm, I'm business-free. <laughs> okay. I was just in New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, saw zero ghosts, but I made... Two offerings to Madame uh, Laveau. Oh, you did? I did. Um, but one of them I felt might have been a false offering because it was actually um, this chip that we got from uh, a police officer from Alaska. Oh. Very, very, very nice man. Um, he gave my friend and I each one. And... Uh, she gave me hers to give as the offering. And then I had that moment where I was like, what if she, what if she thinks this is false? Cause she knows I have my own, but I left it in my room. <laughs> <laughs> well, Marie Laveau would probably know. <coughs> I meant it. I sincerely meant it. Um, it was, uh, it was great though. Um, and, uh, it was 20 degrees there, right? It was right so there? cold. That's what I was going to say. I felt so bad for all of these women walking around on New Year's Eve with little dresses on, little shoes, strappy shoes on, not prepared Mm -hmm. at all. And even, you know, our group was mostly from New York and Chicago, and we were freezing. It was so cold, but we made it. Yeah. You're alive. I'm alive. You're not Uh, a ghost. No. I ate some really good food, got some beignets. (laughs) Yeah. Um... Made some offerings, talked to some ghosts. Did not get to St. Louis uh, Cemetery number one or two. <laughs> it would have been tough in the cold to enjoy yourself. Yeah, it was. Oh, man, it was rough. But mm-hmm. happy to be home back in the even more frigid weather. Yeah. But not suffering from a snowstorm. No. So, and, you know, God bless everyone who is. Yeah, be careful, East Coast. Speaking of the East Coast, let's talk about some ghostesses. Do you want to talk about what you're drinking first? Oh, my God. I've totally forgotten the format of this show. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm drinking Amarillo Hero, which is from Revolution Brewing. They're covering all our expenses tonight. <laughs> nope. No, they're not. Nope. Uh, and I am drinking Prophecy Cabernet. Uh, Prophecy. Tell me something. <laughs> that looks cool. It's like a tarot card. Yeah. I think I've really had this cool. before on here. Yeah. I don't know. It's good. It's a repeat. That means it's good. Yep. All right. Now, please. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some ghosts. Um, I'm going to talk about Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Ah. Mm-hmm. They're uh, probably buried under snow right now. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's not. Philadelphia? I don't know. What are they calling it? The the bomb cyclone? Something like that. <laughs> cyclone bomb? I know right before I went, I thought it was going to be covered in snow because... Um, uh, Western Pennsylvania had had yeah. just, like, almost two feet of snow poured on them. But yeah. Philadelphia had flurries. Okay. So, I don't know. 
what weather pattern they're in. I think they're I think they're in the bomb cyclone. They're gonna get crushed on this one. The bomb cyclone. Mm-hmm. Sounds weird to say it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, we're going all the way over to the eastern side of uh, Pennsylvania. Okay. To their big jail there. You might remember Philadelphia from the Liberty Bell. <laughs> and Betsy Ross. And Betsy Ross. And Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> and 1776. Yes. <laughs> um, well, this uh, penitentiary, actually over Christmas <coughs> vacation, I went to. Yes. Yeah, which is great. My friend Janet on Facebook, uh, after I posted a whole bunch of pictures of Eastern, Eastern State Penitentiary, she wrote, uh, nothing says Christmas like visiting the state pen. See <laughs> <laughs> so at a point. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Wait, did they do tours on Christmas Day? I did mine on the 26th. Okay. Gotcha. I don't know if they did it on the 25th. I don't think so. I think they had the day off. I would hope so. I would hope so, too. It's a day of rest. I will say this. um, It's all outdoors, and there's no heat. So I spent about two and a half hours in 20-degree weather at the Eastern State. Um. I had two pairs of pants on, a whole bunch of clothing. Okay. So it was terrible, but doable. But I wouldn't want to do it again. Got it. Not in that kind of cold. Um, all right. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen pictures of Eastern State Penitentiary, do yourself a favor and look it up. It is um, basically a gothic fortress. Mm-hmm. Um, from the outside, it looks like an uh, Anglo-Norman castle. Um, it's very ominous. And uh, for our Chicago listeners, I'm going to drop a reference that I hope you guys understand. Just like Wrigley, Wrigley Field is in the middle of the city, this prison is right in the middle of the city. Really? Yeah. Oh. It's um, it's in the Fairmont district, and so all like all housing, everything is is just right around the prison. Okay. So like cafes, it's really a cute area. It really was striking to me. I was like, wow. I thought it's 11 acres, mm-hmm. and I thought for some reason it would be outside of the city limits. It is right there. Is it is it like looming over the city, like looking down upon it on top of a hill, like Montgomery Burns' home in The Simpsons? <laughs> kind of. I mean, there's a little okay. bit of a hill. It All was right. originally, um, I think, and I don't have this in my notes, so I might get it wrong. Um, it was originally on Cherry Hill. So the deal is, it was built in um, 1829, and um, the city, so you guys might know it as Center City if you know about Philadelphia, is about a mile, mile and a half away from this prison. And at the time, that seemed like a decent enough distance. Okay. But as as the city grew, um, the city just kept right on going right past this penitentiary. And in fact, the, the, the way that the city center is right now, that this is probably like, um, like half a mile from one of those, from some of the really big things that everyone knows about mm-hmm. like Liberty hall and the first library and all those things. Right. Um, this is not actually a phenomenon that is exclusive to, uh, Philadelphia. I mean, it happened with us right here in this city. Um, when we talked about this in the Lincoln park cemetery episode, Lincoln Park Cemetery, all of Lincoln Park right there right. Um, at uh, LaSalle and North, um, was a cemetery. And then they moved most of the bodies, as far as they could possibly move them, to <laughs> Clark and Irving. So mm-hmm. we have these massive, 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 massive cemeteries. And there's one on right. the other side, too. 
these massive cemeteries right here in the middle of Chicago that mm-hmm. take up about probably two square miles. Oh, Mile easily. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I walked through um, Rose Hill. Well, Rose Hill is absolutely gigantic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not too long ago. And it, um, yeah, I mean, it took me a good 30 minutes to walk, just walk across through it. Mm-hmm. And it was great. Yeah. But yeah, they're just gigantic and. I don't know. It's a little bit different, though, than having a prison, I think, in the center yes. of your city. <laughs> it was... Kind uh, of crazy. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, they didn't know... This penitentiary actually was the first of its kind. Mm-hmm. So they really didn't have any... You'll see, as I talk about this over and over again, they didn't really have any modern idea about what this would be or what an eyesore it would become or just how strange it would be to have this massive penitentiary in the middle of their city. They just didn't have any forethought. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I guess we have, Chicago does have a prison in the city limits on um, Van Buren. That's right. Downtown. They have that federal building. Yep. It's very tall though. Yeah. It doesn't take up a lot of space. It's just very tall. Mm -hmm. And the windows are so small. Yeah. It's weird. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say it's like on Clinton or something like it's, that. It's no, it's it's uh east of there. It's um uh shoot, it's like Van Buren and um Wells. No, it's it's further than that actually. I think it's on a president. Well, Van Buren is a president. Well, yeah, Van I was Buren. thinking of the um. No, it's definitely not. It's definitely not that west. Okay. Um, or southwest, I don't know, northwest, doesn't matter. Okay. It's definitely not that direction. Yeah. Uh, I only know this because I used to take the train there. That was my train stop. Because oh. the train stop's right there. Right by it's like, TM? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so when I would, like, be waiting for the train, it would, I would, like, it's right there. So you can, like, kind of see it, sort of. Got it. And I cannot remember. It's the one after Van Buren on the brown line. Is it line. Adams? Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't Ladies matter. Ladies and gentlemen, let's stop talking about this because if we're, we're not from Chicago, this conversation must be. We're going to sit here forever until we <laughs> figure this out. Where is this prison? So let's go back to um, just some just some basics. Um, the prison opened in 1829 uh, and it closed in 1971. So we have 150 years of prisoners yeah. coming in and out. Uh, we have 150 years of high energy, oftentimes terror and torture. So we're looking at if there was going to be a paranormal place, That's this the is one. probably it. Yeah. I will say this because um, people uh, near and far, <laughs> even though I haven't talked about it on the podcast yet, haven't asked me about my experience. No, I did not see or experience anything paranormal. I will say this. It is a creepy, creepy, creepy place. Um I was in a cell maybe for about maximum five minutes and it really moved me out. I kept willing myself to stay longer and it just felt bad. Were you with a tour or were you by yourself? Um, both. So okay. I paid extra to get the tour because the tour shows you extra places. Okay. Um, and at that point I was with the tour, but people had moved on and you can kind of come and come and go as you please. And I just wanted to see how long I could stay in there. If you don't go on the tour, you cannot get inside of a cell. Got it. So, um, yeah, it just, it just, it, it, I'll tell you another reason eventually 
well, I might as well tell it to you now. Um, the prison is in a ruinous state, quote, unquote. It's preserved that way. So it's not a nice place. Um, and they are not looking to refurbish it or um, uh, put it exactly nice, right? They actually mean for it to be in this um, constant state of disarray. Got it. Okay. So aside from aside from being <laughs> this prison forever, for the last 40 years, it's been empty and, mm-hmm. and falling apart. So um, even that, like the, the cell that I was in, all the walls are falling apart. The floors are falling apart. The, right. Um, there's really no furniture to speak of except for like rusted out, weird. It's just, it's just weird mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say. Got it. So um, it was designed by John Haviland. Um, and at the time it sort of had an extraordinary architecture to it. It had like one hub and then all the cell blocks came off from that hub, like a wagon wheel. Oh, okay. so like a very, very small amount of guards could guard the entire prison that way. Okay. So they could stay in the middle and have a perfect view down every hallway mm-hmm. and you can hear everything from the hub acoustically. Okay. The acoustics inside are much like a church. Um, which is important. Um, and I'll get to that in a second. So let's talk about this and let's talk about like why, uh, they didn't realize that it would be a mistake to have this gigantic eyesore of a prison in the middle of their town. Um, this was one of the first prisons okay. that we would acknowledge as modern people as an actual prison. Okay. Prisons up until this point had been mostly like holding pens for mm-hmm. your punishment. So you would go to prison for a couple of days and then you would go to sentencing and sentencing would either uh, be like you're, you're branded. So if you're a criminal, if you're a thief, they would brand a T on your hand, on your uh, dominant hand. Uh-huh. So most people are your right hand. So if you're ever trying to get a job or you're ever trying to like do anything in the world, people would immediately see your brand on your right hand of the crime you committed. Okay. Um, which was difficult for people who had, once they had committed a crime and they were branded, they really couldn't do anything else. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, that was one of the reasons for this reform. Okay. They didn't want people to have that right. because they wanted people to be okay when they finished prison. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that the, the prison holding pen would get you ready for is the pillory. And that is basically just like that puritanical stocks, you know, where they, they put you in, you know, the thing that your family used to take pictures of in Williamsburg of <laughs> putting your head into your arms in the stocks. Oh yeah. Okay. In the middle of the yeah. town square. Mm-hmm. My family didn't, but okay. <laughs> someone's family did, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so you basically be in the middle of your town square. People would be throwing fruit at you. Mm-hmm. You'd probably be there for about 48 hours and there were no bathroom breaks. So in theory, you'd be in the middle of your town square covered in pee and poo and dehydrated. No one could bring you food or water. Mm-hmm. And after that, <laughs> I can't believe I said pee and poo, but whatever. After that, you'd basically be a laughing stock and you'd be run out of your town. Got it. Because people would remember that. Right. Um, and then the other thing that people were getting ready for when they were in prison for a couple days will be execution. Mm-hmm. So um, there were problems with this holding pen situation in that uh, prison was extremely dangerous. Um, 
children, adults, same holding pen. So this is like a communal space. Okay. So they would overcrowd it. So let's say they would have like 21 people in a room. And most of the time these would be rooms that weren't meant to be prisons anyway. So it'd be like, this is the basement of a pub. So 21 people in a room, varying ages, varying genders, um, no running water, no bathrooms. Okay. Couple things happen because of this. Lots of assault, sexual assault. Yep. Lots of uh, just regular assaults, beating people up. Um, theft. Um, uh, disease. Yep. Because of all the uncleanliness. Yep. Of the whole thing. Um, it was pretty much a terrible place to be. Um, that said, people who went back to prison, oftentimes recidivists, uh-huh. uh, would see their friends in there. And so they sort of had, they, they ended up having these friendship connections. And, um, what happened was that prison sort of became like a how to, yeah, how to do crime what, rather than, um, rather than deterrent, it sort of became a masterclass. Okay. So, um, what this penitentiary uh, was set to do was to turn that on its head. And actually, as I talk about how horrible it was, I want people to remember that it was supposed to be a great new project, a great new way for it's society. It's supposed to be a reformatory. Yes. And again, remember, people just went to prison for two seconds, and then they were either at the pillory, they were branded, or they were killed. Right. It's just, you couldn't recover from the prison system. And so there was something called the Society for Alleviating the Miseries of Public Prison. Um, and this initially was led by Ben Franklin um, and a few of his cohorts, some very important people who signed the Constitution, all that good stuff. Oh, those who people. signed the Declaration ben, of Independence. Okay. Sorry about that. Oh, them too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so they sort of had a Quaker vibe about them, like a Quaker Episcopalian vibe. And they thought that um, criminals shouldn't be punished. Okay. They should be reformed and they should go back into society. Uh, penitentiary, of course, um, the root of that word is penitence. Mm-hmm. So instead of a punishment, they, they thought if these people could come in, have some downtime, think about what they've done, they, they could go back to society anonymously having served. Right. So they wouldn't get a brand. People wouldn't know their names. Um, you know that prison system numbering system yep this is the invention of that ah okay got it yep so you'd be prisoner 58695 uh that would be so if anyone overheard your number it wouldn't be like noel schmidt's imprisoned right it would be 56789 or whatever it is interesting okay mm-hmm. um they thought they thought that um well, I'll, you know what? Here's what I'll, I'll just describe the Pennsylvania system, and we'll talk about some of the problems. So at first, and always when you when you have a special project like this, you have to remember at first, um, things are bound to change, mm-hmm. especially because this prison had 150 years of history. But at first, there were only 250 cells. And the idea was that everybody who went to this prison had their own cells. Okay. Every single person had their own eight by 12 foot cell. Okay. Uh, so they could focus on their religion and getting better. Got it. And you're probably going to get to this, but who was, 
what is the radius of criminals? Like it's uh-huh. ge- geographically. Sorry, that was a really awkwardly worded <laughs> question. Do you mean how close to the cells they were? To no, no, no. I mean like in the region, like who fed into this prison? I think it was just city proper. Okay. I think there were enough people in Philadelphia to keep it. Got it. Occupado. Um, so here, here are some of the things I'm just going to talk about <laughs> the reform really fast when we were talking about the major problems with it. So, um, there were single cells. There was mandatory silence at all times. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, there were uniforms. That's my prison. That's my own prison. That's everyone's prison. Oh, it's terrible. God. Um, people had numbers to maintain anonymity. Um, when they came into the prison to maintain this anonymity, um, the prisoner had to walk the halls with a bag over their head so they would avoid recognizing people or they wouldn't know if their friends were in there or if somebody yeah. famous was in there. That said, think about this. You're being led into a prison where you're going to spend two years. At the time, maximum sentence was two years. Where you're going to spend two years. You go in with a bag over your head. You don't You have, You have. don't have any way to orient yourself right. and you will not hear another person basically speak to you and that's there your priest or a guard has something really important to say to you for two years. Ugh. Yeah. Um, to ensure there was no prisoner contact, each cell led directly directly to its own outside space. So you had two half an hours, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, to work your quote unquote yard, but okay. your yard was literally right behind your cell, so it was an isolation as well. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, all cells, and this is a really big deal. In 1829, all cells had running water, flushable toilets, and heat. Um, and for the time period, actually eight by 12 was considered for the cell size big. That's not terrible. I'm pretty sure. It's that... actually not that terrible. It's bigger than, um, uh, the, the tour guide said it's bigger than most prisons. I mean, it's bigger than most dorm rooms. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad. That's at not all. the part about it. Like I actually thought it would be much smaller, but when mm-hmm. I was in my cell, my cell, but when I was in the cell on cell block two, I, it wasn't. It wasn't claustrophobic in any way. Yeah. It just felt gross. Right. Yeah. Um, here's an interesting thing. I think we actually have to deal with this in our society right now as well. But it was, quote, unquote, so nice in there that people on the outside were mad. And they were <laughs> they thought that prisoners were living better than they were. Okay. And to some extent, they were I mean, kind of right. Actually, the food situation at Eastern State at this time, they had their own garden. Right. Uh, they would always get meat on Fridays. Uh, their food situation was pretty good. I'm saying, you know, you got your own yard, your own private space. Nobody's talking to you. This actually does sound like a very nice vacation. Um, it was supposed to be. Yeah. A couple of things. We now know things that they did not know back then. Okay. Um, one is they thought they were doing people a favor by giving them their own cells. We now know that as solitary confinement, and we now know that as a means of torture. Right. These people went crazy. Makes sense. Yeah. They left to their own thoughts day after day, year after year. They they're, went. And they're not given anything to read or write or anything no. like that. Nothing. Uh, I think they could read the Bible if they wanted to. Okay. Of course. But they weren't allowed to see family. They weren't allowed visitors. Okay. Um. There were women in the prison. Some women had children there. Ugh. If you had a child there, you could typically keep... The child in the prison? Yeah. You could keep, typically keep them until 
uh, you were finished weaning your child. Oh, no. And then it would go to usually a woman who was being released from prison. So somebody, somebody who had lived in the prison would foster your child until you got out. Oh, okay. Yeah. It wasn't like, now this is your child. No, no, no. It would be a foster situation. That's still brutal. Really messed up. Yeah. If you were pregnant again, uh, at this time, most people, I forgot to tell you what they're in there for. Did I forget to tell you? Uh Uh-huh. Um, most of them were in for what we would consider now to be slightly petty crimes. Okay. But their, their sentences make sense. They maximum two years. So they were in there for like stealing, a lot of stealing horses. Okay. (laughs) Hey, you got to get around. (laughs) You do. Um, and I don't mean to laugh at that. Like I've, that's probably, you know, there's a lot of car theft now, so transportation's important. I would I would like to see, though, like, the car theft ratio versus... The um, horse theft? The horse theft in Philadelphia today. <laughs> I would, too. If that's still, like, a thing. I should, I should look that up uh, yeah. when this is over, because I think that would be really interesting. Like, <laughs> Philadelphians gotta steal transport. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> and then just, like, smaller things, like... Um, I know a lot of people from Philadelphia, so I'm going to ask them. Ask them. I like it. How often are cars theft thefted thieved thieved burgled stolen <laughs> um in philly oh and then uh pickpocketing uh probably what we would consider big burgling like taking a whole bunch mm-hmm. of expensive things from someone's house and bribery i mean so it was mostly at this point just just money stuff yeah so not what we'll find later on with lots of murder and violent crime. Okay. Um, I the 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 fostering of the of the children is kind of interesting to me, um, especially because it's like, what if that woman didn't want children or have to deal with this? Like, were they being forced to no. foster? It was only no, like the mothers it, who or the women who wanted. I think so. Okay. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, in the in its first thirty years, it it pretty much was carrying out its religious mission. Okay. Then things go awry. Um, I think too, it was only given to women. There was, um, it was only given to women who, uh, seemed like they were totally reformed. Okay. So the prison, the prison people felt like they, they could do this. It wasn't just like, you're getting out of prison today. Here's a baby. <laughs> Take this baby and raise it for two more years. Then it won't be yours anymore. And it might have been. They're, st- they're kind of unsure. See, the, one of the things I talked about the guard with, um, this guy's my tour guide. It's just a random guard. But um, it's really hard to find out data on the success of the Philadelphia or of the Pennsylvania system while it was happening mm-hmm. because they were so concerned about anonymity. Got it. That everyone was under a number. So mm-hmm. there wasn't like a longitudinal study of like, let's say Jay Steigman uh, went in in 1832. Uh, where did she end up in 1842? But now let me ask you this. Because they I, didn't want the ignominy of prison to be on people. No, and I get that. And I understand the yeah. anonymity of it. But it's more, weren't weren't journalists also documenting any of the, I guess it's petty crime. So they're not like worth documenting. So never mind. I rescinded my question. Uh, it really wasn't. But even, but I, I guess it was a big burglary, though. They would probably yeah. get that in the local papers. I take back that. <laughs> take back um, and ask again. 
I think because it was such a new idea, it was such uh-huh. a new concept, that the headlines at the time um, were either highly praising or highly negative. Okay. And those two things for the first several years mostly had to do with this is a new way to deal with crime and Pennsylvania is out in the forefront. Mm-hmm. In fact, our criminal justice system is modeled completely after this. Um, and then people on the other side that actually thought this was too kind, let's go back to branding, pillaring, <laughs> um, right. and execution. Um, and these people are basically living better lives than we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about the general population, I mean, very few houses had centralized heating and or flushable Water. toilets. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. But I meant like... If it was a large, let's say it's a large burglary, isn't that getting like printed somewhere? Like Probably. their their names. So is there really any true anonymity? Um, I don't know. This and is I more of a philosophical question. Yeah, I mean, and and sorry, I yeah, yeah. So you're right. Somebody probably would have been a court reporter. I don't know if it was common knowledge about where they went to prison. Um, and I don't know if they were able to change something about their identity. Right. Where it was like, maybe like a man, 52. Yeah. Still loaf of bread. I will say this. Um, and this is not on my sheet of paper. This is just an anecdote from my guard at the prison. Um, that, uh, as, 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 as in now, uh, back in the day, this was a major tourist attraction. Um, interesting. Yeah. Philosopher, scientists, uh, and but more for research yes people okay. from overseas um <laughs> this was a major destination for them charles dickens came over in the 1940s mm-hmm. and his two things he wanted to do in america was see eastern state penitentiary in philadelphia and see niagara falls <laughs> those are his two things fortunately they're very close to each other yes <laughs> it's a day's journey chuck yes charles dickens was a major critic of this Prison. He was the first one to say, and, and probably wasn't the first one to notice, but the first one to say and print and say over and over again that um, this this silence was driving people crazy. Yeah. He was just like, this is this is basically right. a loony bin. Um, and he had a big problem with the money factor of this prison. His own father had been in debtor's prison. Okay. And so... He, and rightfully so, he had, he had a family legacy of it, but uh, the idea of somebody being in prison, even if it was for two years for some sort of monetary malfeasance, was disgusting to him. Yeah. Because before it was like, you would, devo- you would go to jail for three days and then be publicly shamed, your ordeal's over in six days. Right. You may never get a job again, <laughs> but... But you're, you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, With this sort of prolonged... Yeah. Yeah, so thieves would get humiliated and murderers would get murdered. Right. I think, I mean, I get... Not murdered, executed. Right. Yeah, two years for stealing or petty theft is pretty excessive. It's quite a lot. Um, And I I feel like the the silence thing, I kind of get where they were coming from Uh with it because they were thinking, they must have been thinking... This is how you find peace. And it's yes, like a the meditation. inside it looks exactly like a cathedral. Yeah. Yeah. Very so, high vaulted ceilings. Because they were Quakers, right? So they had that. Yeah. Uh, some Quaker. It was like 50% Quaker, 50% Anglican. Okay. Which is Episcopalian. Right. Catholic light. 
Yes. <laughs> they had this sense of um, once you're in this fortress-like prison, the rest of your stay there should feel like church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll find your inner peace. You'll uh-huh. reform. Yeah, all the good stuff. Um, they also did a lot with um, giving people a craft, which we know from like our Votech stuff. Yeah. Uh, now, so like they would they would teach people to use a loom or sew or. Uh, they weren't all sewing related, but you know what I mean. Right. Um, and some of them, I read something really interesting. <laughs> some people actually had, uh, like, animals in their yard. Oh, really? Like, any specific kind that you know of? Um, I read somewhere there was a goat. I have no abilities to oh. substantiate that. So, and then other people had cats, but cats... Cats make sense because we'll talk about them later. They actually could get into the building. That's why I was, yeah, like with or without you, kind of wandering. But this barnyard animal, I never. But a goat? How does? How do you know, get they a must goat? have like milked it or something. How do you get one? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like they must that... have like either a guard gave it to them and that was part of the deal, right? Or yeah, because the they cat... bribed the guard and got a goat, right? Cats, squirrels, things like that. Like that makes sense. Even you know a mice, like in. Uh... The Green Mile. Yeah. He had that little mouse. <laughs> um, really quickly, I need to mention this because it will come up later. Um, the Because of the silence, the, the, the need for the guards to keep silence, um, the acoustics in this building are amazing. So if you're all the way down, let's say, in cell block seven, you could hear people whispering in cell block two. Wow. Um. It's the, yeah, the <laughs> acoustics wow. are profound. They also put the, the plumbing in the hallways so people can pound on the pipes and communicate that way. Wow. Yeah. That's it's very well thought wild. I'll post my pictures of it, but yeah, you can see that the architect actually, um, yeah, they didn't want people tapping out or communicating. So yeah, very well thought mm-hmm. out. Um, so as much as this penitentiary was about, <laughs> Sort of a, this this softer side of Sears approach to criminals. Um, remember, this is 1829 and the 1800s. Um, they did a lot of things that nowadays we would think pretty awful, right? Uh-huh. Um, so they um, would take to, uh, they would do the dousing treatment on prisoners. Um, the dousing treatment, we might know it today better as waterboarding. Yeah. So they, I was hoping that's what not what it was. Yeah, that's what it is. Ugh. And by the way, I know there, uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that don't think waterboarding is torture. Um, you're wrong about that. It's torture. It's torture. You're you're drowning someone. You're drowning someone. Um, they would do it outside. I can tell you, I've been outside at this prison in the winter. It is not nice. Um, and my notes say they would douse prisoners with freezing water during the winter months Jeez. outside. Oh. So they thought these quote unquote water treatments would help them. Um, <sighs> there were some prisoners that uh, it was difficult for them to keep quiet. And so they had this mechanism where they would, um, uh, it basically was this big sort of braces mechanism that would go into their mouth, like headgear. Um, and it, it chained their tongue and it restricted their face so they couldn't talk. Now this is really really awful um they actually um killed a prisoner this way um and again this is when the reformatory was all about um 
reform. And so they, they put out a report about this and they stopped using this um, mechanism. They didn't realize that they had uh, a prisoner with like a neurological disorder. Oh, no. I really wasn't in the purview at all. And some people don't have the ability to stop talking or stop twitching or stop right doing these kind of ticks. Yep. And so they didn't really have a word for it. This, uh, not patient, this inmate was either epileptic, epileptic, I'm saying that wrong, say it for me. Epileptic? Yes, that's right. Or maybe had some like Tourette's, Tourette's. or autism. Yep. Uh, and they put him in this uh, chain mechanism. We'll call it headgear. We'll call it headgear, <laughs> but this torture headgear over like approximately a hundred times. Oh my God. And he ended up dying. <sighs> and then they studied him and they realized actually neuro- neurologically he had no ability to. He couldn't stop. Stop himself. Oh because my... they kept putting him, uh... in, him in it thinking he would quote unquote be trained. Oh. The way that other people, they would put them in, in it like once or twice. Right. Or... And he didn't know. So how could he communicate? And he, he wasn't j- allowed to speak either. Right. Yes. Wasn't allowed to speak, but couldn't help himself from speaking. <sighs> and then. God, uh, I'm pumping my fists at the sky. Yeah, they don't. They were not, not quite sure how he died. Um, he either choked on his own tongue or uh, cracked his uh, face or uh, had a stroke because of the trauma. Yeah, but he died. <gasps> oh, that's miserable. And they stopped using it. Good, which is good. That's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. And so here's the thing: even though like these things are horrifying, they'll come up when we talk about ghosts. Um, they didn't mean for them to be. Yeah. They really thought they were doing the right thing, which is crazy. I know. That's, I mean, that's what's so incredible about all this, because, you know, today... Well, you think about Maxwell Street Prison, which was a totally different prison than this. It was totally different. Well, and today, too, here's my social commentary of the episode. Uh, We have all of these for-profit prisons, and these guys are being jailed for minimal... Like minimal things as well, like carrying an ounce of pot on them or something stupid like that, or like a small burglary charge. Um, and it, it, it's it, there's no good intention of reforming these people. They're going to prison purely because they want to make money off of them. Like it's pretty impressive and amazing that in 1821, right? Uh, no, 24 until 1829. 29. Still, like that they were actually looking and say, recognizing this and saying, Hey, let's see what we can do to make these people better and improve their lives. Right. That's, you don't hear a lot about that. I know in Ohio actually has a really good, sorry. I'm, I'm, no, no, go I'm, for I'm on my, I'm on my uh, pedestal right now. Um, Ohio actually has a really great reform program. Um, so this is one thing John Kasich's, uh, really doing well there. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know enough about that to really speak on it. But anyway, um, they actually have a, a really great program where they're putting these guys to work and they're finding work jobs for them. And they like have um, meetups and um, uh, uh, groups where they, these guys are talking to each other and they're meeting with um, mental health professionals. And this is what this was trying to do. Yeah, it's really amazing. They wanted, to, they wanted them to leave prison with this skill. Yeah. And never come back. That's, that's what it should be. And this is where Ohio is getting it right right now. So look into, you know, if you're interested in any of this stuff, Ohio, um, uh, the prison system there is incredible and they're underfunded actually. Yeah. And I will say this, um, 
Eastern State Penitentiary has a really phenomenal exhibit that has, well, it's not about the old prison. It's basically about um, mass incarceration in prisons today. And they have this stunning sculpture in the baseball field in that massive yard that I told you about, Uh um, where it shows the incarceration rate of the 1800s and the 1900s. And then um, basically it's just like slowly escalating. And then suddenly in 1984, it spikes up over a hundred thousand right, right now in the United States, I think we have like 2.1 million people in prison. Yep, yep. And we never used to have that. If you're wondering why that is, you might be like, why did that happen? It's the not war a pop- on drugs. It's not a population thing. It's no. purely the war on drugs. War on drugs. And when you have something like marijuana classified as a class A drug. Class- also in the nineties, you had, even though this, well, again, Democrat, Republican didn't matter. People were really big about law and order. Those were single voting right. issues. Dun, dun. Yes. <laughs> so Ronald Reagan created the uh, war on drugs. But don't forget that Bill Clinton um, created the three strikes and you're out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Those two things combined. So you could have like two pot charges, get back and uh, in, in incarcerated for pot. But that was your third time. So now you're going to spend 30 years in prison. Yep. Which is insane. Yep. Um. Let's talk about some other things that they, they, this is so awful, but they weren't murdering people. One of the big things that the Society for Alleviating Miseries of uh, Public Prisons did is they were like, they eradicated execution completely. Really? Yeah. So when some of these, so this is a, this is a behavior modification tool. So if prisoners really stepped out of line and they were really being bad yeah um in, they would be uh strapped to a chair with tight leather restraints um for a day or two days or three days yeah that's terrible it's so terrible that's terrible it's better than dying is it i don't know i mean what does that leave you like and nobody's talking to you you're just in a room strapped <laughs> to a chair awful. i would so you're you're like defecating and peeing all over yourself it's awful yeah, that puts you in a weird mental state. I'm not sure which is worse, honestly. Yeah. I mean, you I suppose decide. it's better than doing tell, it. Tell us at highspiritschicago <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, there was also the hole, which we actually still use in prisons, um, under cell block 14. Um, this is a literal hole, though, right? Yeah, I think so. No light, no human contact, very little food for as long as two weeks. What? Yeah. How, you can't live. Were they getting water at least? Uh, they must have been. Because you can't. Yeah. Well, you can't live without water. Because people came days. in and out of the. Yeah. It's, I think you need water every three days. Yeah. yeah. Dang. Um, so those were already some inherent problems. Um, meanwhile, this <laughs> experiment didn't work. <coughs> because almost as soon as it started, uh, about 20, 25 years in. Um, and remember the legacy of this prison is 150 years. Um, the, the cells, the, the cells were needed because there was a huge prison population. Yeah. So remember that there are only 250 cells for single people. Well, that didn't last for very long. Um, by the time of its heyday in uh, late 1800s up to like 1935, 1940, it got as crowded as 1800 people. Oh no, wait. And they never, they, ha, no words. Yeah. 
Wait, so that 250 cells only? That cell that I talked about that seemed pretty big when you're by yourself in it. Yeah. Bunk beds. Bunk beds. And then um, I actually had to picture this when I was in my cell, which probably made me not want to stay very much longer. Um, that cell that was for yourself, by yourself, suddenly became a six-person cell. Bunk beds and bunk beds. Eight by 12 feet. Uh, and you weren't allowed to talk, and everyone <laughs> did their work in there. Ugh. So people were, I mean, it became very bad, very quick. Um, so they actually made a bunch of additions to the hub and to the wheel of the uh, prison. Um, the new cell blocks, if you go there, you can see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new cell blocks were two-storied. Okay. The old cell blocks were not. Um, it became no longer a small crime prison. So it became your murder, assault, terrible person prison. Okay. Which was not what it was intended to be. And so remember how people were getting out in two years? Yep. Now this became, eventually they had to let go of the quote, quote, Pennsylvania system. And they were just trying to maintain this high population of people who were committing profound crimes. Okay. So it wasn't two years. Now it was 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Uh, I don't think anyone there ever got life, but it started to become not the reform prison. It became like our current prison. Like your home. Stay there until you die. Kind of shit. Right. You live here now. Yeah. Um, By the 1930s, um, the gangs overran the prison. Yep. And by, um, I think it was maybe 1935. um, Think about all those gangsters that were in there. Yes. Al Capone stayed there. That's all. Yep. (laughs) Um, Because the gangs overran the prison, um, in the mid-30s, the statistic was that 70% of the prisoners were addicted to mob-controlled substances, more likely than not heroin. Yep. 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 There is a baseball field there. Um, they actually had a lot of sports there. Mm-hmm. They had a shit ton of sports there. And interestingly, um, <laughs> when the prisoners got old, the Italian prisoners, bocce became their most <laughs> popular sport. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, but... They would, they had this thing where, uh, it wasn't obviously the size of a standard baseball field. Okay. So people hit quite a, quite a lot of home runs uh-huh. and the home runs would go into <laughs> basically the streets. Yep. And they were, they were running this racket where somebody would hit a home run. They would open up the baseball. Um, so drugs inside hit it back over the fence. Oh my God. So the, the guards couldn't figure out for the longest time how they were getting drugs back into the prison. Oh my God. That was just one of the rackets. So they got to keep the ball. Like the guards never thought to keep the balls. They just didn't think about it. Where did the bats go? Those are weapons. They probably went into, I mean, they probably all went into storage, but the, the amount of time that a guard. Yeah. Wouldn't be paying attention. is pretty, pretty big. Well, they're probably getting paid off and like, because yeah, yeah, these are like mafia Kings owning this place. And I mean, that was the heyday. Amazing. Over the course of the prison, um, actually here I have the right number, 142 years. I keep saying 150, but that's me rounding up. Um, this penitentiary held 75,000 inmates. What? Yeah. Wait. So 75,000. How many extra rooms did they? Well, not at a time. 
I just mean over. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, the most they ever had at a time was um, 1,800. Got it. But over the 150 years of this prison. Yeah. That's how many people came and left. I mean, considering how many people are currently in our system, Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, perspective, it's not that much. But still, over time, if you go to this prison, you'll see actually how, even though it's 11 acres and it's the middle of a city, um, you will see just how small it is. Yeah. (laughs) It's not, it's not that big. It's not big enough for this. It's crazy. I think. I mean, yeah. Uh, Here's how it became, here's how it came to be empty. Okay. Uh, In the 1960s and 1965, it was designated as a national historic landmark. Okay. Um, it was already dwindling down, and it finally closed in 1971. It was just too old. So it was just falling down there. Just, like, we just falling down around. We them. can't fix you. Yeah. So they weren't putting any money into no. restoration or anything. Okay. And actually, well, they were and they were not. So there are several rooms um, that you can actually visit that are very interesting. <laughs> um, in that, in one room that's maybe a, by like. 20 feet by 15 feet you can see six different types of building inside of it so okay. something would crumble down and the because the prisoners did all the work right you'd see like part of it would be done in brick and then the other part of it would be done in stone and then okay. the other part so they weren't i mean it's not necessarily about aesthetics but once you see it aesthetically you can see that it wasn't about keeping the building and fighting yeah. style, it was more like keeping the building from basically falling down. Collapsing on top of it. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, the city ended up purchasing the building. They basically were forced to. Their hands were forced because it was a National Historic Landmark, which means they couldn't tear it down in any way. Okay. Right? So once something's a, a historic right. landmark, you can't tear it down. You can't change it. So Philadelphia bought the property. <laughs> they actually hoped that they could... Um, repurpose it and they tried to turn it into a mall National Historic Landmark Society said no huh. they tried to turn it into a luxury, luxury apartment oh my god surrounded by the old prison wall and who would National... want to live there thank you why would you want to live there thank you this is totally different by the way than the Velisca house because that is out in the middle of nowhere like this like why well one might ask the same question about uh, all the property that was repurposed when Cabrini Green was torn down. True, yeah. All those properties around that, and they couldn't... I mean, I think in this city, pound for pound, that has to be one of the most haunted places. Oh, absolutely. Like the Target that's right by, right on the Cabrini Green land. Yeah. I'm always like... I always think of it. I'm like, what? It's crazy. No. The Candyman lives there. Everybody knows it. <laughs> right? Virginia Madsen is now the Candyman, Candywoman, and... <laughs> She and the Candyman live in Cabrini Green. It's true. <laughs> um, during the 1980s, um, the city all but abandoned it, and a forest actually grew through the cell blocks inside the walls. Um, That's cool. It's very cool. Um, in 1994, they decided that they would open it to historic tours to the public. 1992? Uh, 94. 94, okay. Mm-hmm. Those the, were the days. Yeah. The museum attracts uh, close to 22, uh, sorry, 220,000 visitors each year. Not uh, as much as Graceland, but 
right? Keep on trying. Still a lot for the pokey to get. <laughs> Quite true. Yep. Nothing says Christmas like that. <laughs> Tour of the pen. <laughs> so good. Um, the facility, I already said this, but it's kept in preserved ruin. Um, and now it's time to talk about ghosts. Yeah, I have questions about preserved ruin, but I'll look that up on my own time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it seems expensive to yes. keep up. Um, you probably know Eastern State Penitentiary because it's famous. Uh, <laughs> ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, MTV Sphere, uh, any sort of ghost show that could get itself in there has gotten themselves in there. Okay. It's been featured in the Sci-Fi Channel. It's also been featured as a facade in an interior in a bunch of movies. Mm-hmm. Twelve Monkeys takes place there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Yeah. I forgot that they did that there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, this is overall ghosts, and then I have more specific ghosts. But um, overall, individuals claim that they see uh, shadowy figures moving in and out of areas. Okay. Um, people have heard whispers, screams, and laughter all over the prison. Ooh. At least there's laughter. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this, though. Unless it's maniacal laughter, yeah, then it's problematic. Yeah, it's that's not, I'm not taking away from any of the paranormal stuff in any way, but I will say, having been in there, the acoustics are astounding. And we already talked about this. Yeah. Um, I was by myself in, in a long stretch of cell block. I, there was no one anywhere near me. Um, and I heard music. I only knew how to place it because I had heard it on the other end of the prison a little bit earlier because someone had been playing a radio. Mm-hmm. Um, like one of the security people. Oh, okay. So, um, I, I had enough composure mm-hmm. to realize that the sound that I couldn't put to, um, like that, that seemed so close, but was so far away. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine if it were dark in there in any way, shape or form, if I had been by myself, say after sundown and I heard that I probably would have lost my mind and ran down the hallway. Yeah. Cause it was that, it was that vivid, but again, the acoustics. Um, and I also talked to the guard about this once I, I found him again. Once this happened to me, he was like, Oh, everyone here has, has problems with, um, voices and hearing things because mm-hmm. it's designed for you to hear things. Um, I mean, it sounds like we should do a live show there. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then it in the will... summer, in the summer, of it's course. Too cold. <laughs> and then I'll uh, I'll open it with um, some opera from Schubert. Yes. <laughs> you'll get you'll get an an aria or two from me. Just kidding. Maybe. <laughs> um, uh, people say overall that they experience um, the sensation of being watched. I also have that sensation. Okay. To be honest, was with it you. just the guy behind you in the tour? No, no, no. I, I didn't. I didn't much of this prison by myself. I also walked at the end of the tour. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I <laughs> you can see where my pictures. I like. I'm a weirdo, and I went up by myself like a million times. So the, the tour was just a small aspect of it to get like access to places and more information. But if you are there, uh, I will say, paranormal or not, you will probably have that feeling. Yeah, it's a very oppressive. It's very prisony. And it's designed for you to be watched. Yeah. That's so weird. I mean, by design, you're supposed to feel like you're being watched. Yeah. And so you, I mean, it's, it's highly possible. You could be like, this is the ghost of a guard who's watching me, or this is another prisoner who's watching me, Mm -hmm. or I just feel ooky. It's not a nice place. 
No, I cannot. The energy in there must just feel so draining and yeah, like drippy almost. Like. Yeah, it feels gross in there. I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah. Uh, cell block twelve uh, itself is known for echoing voices and cackling, which is that maniacal laughter that we don't like. So when you say twelve, like I'm, I'm pick, like if we're looking at the wagon wheel, each yeah. like spoke mm-hmm. is a cell block. Yes. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, cell block six is known for. <laughs> you didn't call me out for like doing the. Oh uh, yeah, no, the I'll wagon shit wheel, object the wagon wheel with my hand. <laughs> yeah, have. Twelve was at twelve o'clock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you looked like you were uh, had a unicorn horn. Well, <laughs> it could also double as that. Number twelve. Yes. <laughs> uh, number six is known for uh, shadow figures. Mm-hmm. Apparently there's a lot of shadow figures that's that down here. Dart the wall. Yep. <laughs> that looked a little. Yeah, it did. Pornographic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in cell block six, people feel that they have uh, reported. Um... Oh no, this isn't cell block six. Sorry, this is one of the guard towers. Okay. They reported seeing the silhouette of a guard. Okay. Uh huh. So that's some resonant energy, probably. Uh huh. Yeah, that probably. And then he got shivved. They actually, they had a, an exhibit of shivs and shanks and homemade. Oh, amazing. Yeah, homemade <laughs> weapons. It was very amazing. Why, why did you bury that? You just, like, have been holding on to yeah. that. <laughs> I guess I forgot. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, there are extreme temperature fluctuations. Although, I will say, I, I know this is on the list of hauntings. I will say that right now the, the prison itself doesn't have electricity. Um, and it doesn't have heat, um, and it doesn't have running water. So I imagine that temperature fluctuations yeah, in general would, yeah, would, that would cause some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't have any temperature fluctuations except for shit. It's cold. <laughs> she, Jay's so cold that she's actually wrapped in a blanket in the ghost studio. I am in the ghost studio <laughs> in a blanket. She has not lost her chill. <laughs> It's which true. is a which is actually both meanings. Uh, she's not lost her cool, and she's not lost the, the chill of cold within her body. It's very cold. Yeah. Um. The TV show Ghost Hunters found uh, a shadow figure in cell block six. Okay. So. Do they something. have footage of said shadow figure? They. All, all I have on my notes. I haven't seen the episode. It says on the popular show Ghost Hunters. <laughs> They got a shadow figure on video. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Um, there are EVPs. Yep. That that people have taken on the catwalk, which is like on the second floor of yeah the, on the, the catwalk. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the EVPs was there was a male vo- voice who said, "I'm lonely." Oh no! I know. Oh, you want to hear that? Oh, no. and again, uh, if you don't know what an EVP is, it's an electronic. If you're just tuning in, if you're just tuning in, and you're not familiar, it's electronic voice phenomena, mm-hmm. which is a, a recording that's taken at a, a low. Is it a low frequency? Oh, no, I think it's regular frequency. Well, okay. The recording is at a regular frequency, and then usually they have to do. Yeah, they've got to play with it in order they to... They have to like, play with it yeah. in order to find 
where the voice is on a Clearly, we're too. experts on it. We are experts. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing a ton of object work there. <laughs> Jay was like putting her hands in ways that I made know, sense about for... frequency. <laughs> I understood exactly what thank she you was for telling translating. Me. I think I did uh, a wave with my hands. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Um, one guard said they saw the apparition of a person about four, uh, about five foot four. Okay. Um, standing next to him in a hallway. Uh, he was so afraid he raised his fist and went to strike the form. And as it was going to connect with this entity, uh, the entity disappeared. Ooh. That guy fucking freaked out and quit. Yeah. Yeah, you do. <laughs> he, see, that's smart. That guy's so smart. That guy's he, smart. Like, he didn't stick around. Yeah. He wanted to live a fruitful life. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, never had to deal with that again. Smart. Here's something about, um, cell block 12. Um, a guard tells this story. Oh, by the way, they, they do, um, this is a story from, I don't know if they still do it, but this, they, they did Halloween things in the prison. <laughs> okay. They actually would hire actors. So a guard tells this story. Wait, but nobody's talking, right? Are we still not talking? Um, I don't know if they can talk or not, but, but when they're not, what happens when they're spooked and they scream, right? God damn it. So anyway, this guard tells about cool. working with an actor who was doing one of the Halloween shows. Yeah. Uh, she said an actor, um, an actor came over to me and said, Amy, I can't work on the top floor of cell block, cell block 12 anymore. Can you move me? She asked him why. And he replied, there's a ghost up there. When I was on the edge of the cell block, it looked like a woman was running towards me screaming. No, no, no. And once no. she got close to me, she turned around and would run back. <sighs> All right. So she absolutely was like, yeah, of course, I'll switch you. Then three years later, a different actor came up to the same guard <sighs> and <laughs> told her, um, you'll never believe this. And I know I sound crazy, but I think I see a banshee. Oh, my God. Same place, cell block 12. Ugh. This banshee came flying down the cell nope. block towards me. It screamed, and it turned back around. No. So from that... <laughs> I know I got shivers. From that point, she convinced... She was pretty convinced, and she wouldn't put any actors in cell block 12. I'm thoroughly freaked out at this point. Yeah. She was like, so... Oh. Cell block 12 should not have people in it. Shit. I'm going to say that because her name was Amy... That this probably happened between the 50s and 60s, so people were talking at that point, right? Like when Well, the, the prison didn't close until 1971. Right, but when did the non-speaking thing, like, when did that go away? Oh, well, that went away probably by um, 1890. Oh, okay. they couldn't They couldn't maintain it. Okay. Which would be about, like, 60 years after it's... Got it. No, by right. the time by the time they hit the new century, all the there was every talking. single thing about the Pennsylvania system was gone. They were Everybody's just trying talking. to yeah. okay, cool, yeah. They couldn't they couldn't maintain that. How horrible would that be if like you know it's a Halloween thing and somebody jumps out at you and spooks you and you can't use your voice? Oh God! And you're like you <laughs> yeah. do that weird scream like that that I would do when I wake up from a night terror. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. It makes you feel like oh my God. <laughs> Why can't I get this out? Yes. Um, oh my god, I hate having a nightmare and trying to get out of it. Oh, terrible. Um, I'm probably gonna have one like that after that banshee story because that really ooked me. Out. It's ooky. Ooh. And by the way, I don't. I don't. This is the kind of. <coughs> this is the type of place that, having been there, I'm like, yeah, I can see that. 
Dude. It doesn't surprise me in any way, shape, or form. Ooh, I don't like that story at all. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, go on. Um, I'm ready for more. <laughs> here's a story about Al Capone. Al Capone was a prisoner here. Yep. Um, I learned that at the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, this was this was his first incarceration, and it would not be his last. Um, but this was the first uh-huh. that got him on his incarceration roll. I should say this. Everything you hear about Al Capone should be thought about with the uh, footnote that at this point in his life, he had uh, such severe syphilis yeah. that his brain was deteriorating That's and right. being eaten by the disease. He was a bit of a lunatic. Yeah. He, by, by the time he went to Alcatraz, just a year after this and stayed there for quite a long time, uh, he was pretty much going crazy. But people were still taking orders from him. Oh, yeah. They, like, still, like, he, he was the boss. all of his adult life. Yeah, he was still, like, very much in charge, which is kind of unbelievable when you yeah. think about it. That, like, people believed so strongly in him that they were like, okay. All right. <laughs> Nobody, like, usurped his throne. Sure thing, Scarface. <laughs> right. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> it's, yeah, he's... How they spoke. That's exactly the things that they said. <laughs> to the... <laughs> To the mattresses. Bada bing, bada boom. Uh, uh, Al Capone insisted, I have pictures of his cell too, which I can share with you guys. He insisted he was being tortured by a man named James Clark, who was killed in, uh, you guys know this, the St. Valentine's Day massacre. Yeah. Each night, Al Capone uh, would scream out in fright, and he would scream out yelling the name Jimmy. Uh, he would bag. Stop it, Jimmy. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> no, Jimmy, no. Trying to get some sleep up in this. <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> so every night he would bag and plead the man to go away. Oh. Yet night after night, the spirit of James Clark. <laughs> Just trying to sleep here, Jimmy. Yep. Oh. Would torture Capone. Um, despite the fact that the guards consistently checked in and around Capone's, Capone's cell, they were never able to identify any reason why this should have been going on. Right. Ain't no Jimmy here. Yep. They, they like, <laughs> they even sort of ghost busted for him. And they were like, this, uh, and by the way, the guards were at his beck and call too. Yeah. The pictures course. I have of his cell, it had a nice bed. Mm-hmm. It had a desk. It was upholstered. I mean, he was basically fit for a king. It was fit for a king. Yeah. And they actually tried to ghost bust for him and they were very concerned about him. Right. Um, but they couldn't find anything wrong with his cell. Um, he had it come. <laughs> uh, so Chicago. Yeah, it's great. Cell block tango. Exactly. Thank mm-hmm. you. Cell block four, speaking of cell blocks, uh, I have one last story to tell you. This one's pretty ooky too. Uh, this is the locksmith story. It's one of the most famous of the prison. Um, Gary Johnson was, uh, a locksmith there. He was, he was charged with helping maintain the crumbling old locks in the early 1990s. He opened an old lock in cell block four. Uh, when he said that he was gripped and unable to move at this point, he describes a negative, horrible energy that exploded out of the cell. He said that tormented faces appeared on the cell walls um, he could see like hundreds of faces uh, to him in a very 3D way. And he said that one of these forms were uh, started beckoning to him. And 
Reckoning uh, how? Join well, us, Gary. Yeah, Join us. By the way, his name is Gary, Gary Johnson. I don't think this is a formal presidential now or candidate from the Libertarian no. Party. <laughs> but what if it is? But I, I would formerly like, locksmith. I would like to. I like to believe it's true. Gary. Um, <laughs> when he told this story uh, originally, um, he and other people believed that that key opened a gateway into a horrific past and it opened up uh, a gateway to spirits who were uh, still caught behind bars who wanted a pathway out. Oh, Gary. Gare Bear. Oh, that one hurts me. Intense. That's intense. (sighs) Gary. Gary Johnson. (laughs) Gary Johnson. (laughs) Sub on four. (laughs) He was the locksmith? He was a locksmith. Okay. Yeah. So, they actually, well, consider this. Uh, it's a prison. Right. And they were trying to restore it. So they actually had a full-time locksmith. Had to change the locks every time somebody left so they couldn't get back in. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but lots of locks. I mean, listen, prison has a ton of locksmith work. Yeah. Every single door has a lock on it. Literally every single every door. Every door. No, that's good that they have somebody employed. Uh-huh. I feel better about that. Gary. Gary. <laughs> so bad oh ladies and gentlemen that is it for eastern state penitentiary uh look for my pictures my personal pictures uh heading to the facebook page i know take that internet yeah i don't need to look at stock photos anymore you're about to get jay's pictures now too yeah (laughs) um yeah well thank you so much for listening to that noel who are you drinking uh tonight i'm drinking prophecy cabernet prophecy Tell me something. Uh-huh. And I'm drinking Amarillo Hero, brought to us by our own Revolution Beer Company. Hey, thanks for paying all the bills. Sort of. <laughs> uh, not quite. Is it Amarillo or Amarillo? Oh, I think it's Amarillo, is how you'd say Amarillo, it. like Texas? Like Amarillo Stone Sour. Ah. But I, I imagine originally it was Amarillo. Okay. Cool. I like all of it. Oh, cool. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to a show called High Spirits, a show in which my best pal and I talk about ghosts and drink alcohol. Noelle has one last terrifying, terrible thing to say. Sweet dreams. Gary.